You are now listening to the Black Girl Nerds Podcast. into this episode of the black girl nerds podcast my name is jamie and this episode is hosted by both ryan and giandra in this episode we bring to you two fantastic segments in our first segment we are proud to welcome you patina miller this amazing actress appears in power book three raising canaan she is in the latest chapter of the Star's Power Saga, Power Book 3, Raising Canaan, as Raquel Thomas, the fierce and compelling mother of the nefarious Canaan, who, as you know, was portrayed by Curtis 50 Cent Jackson in the original series. So we are excited to talk to her about her role in that series that is currently now playing on Stars. And in our second interview, we welcome actor Jay Ellis. You know him best on the HBO series Insecure. Well, Jay Ellis is back with his own podcast series called Written Off under his production company Black Bar Mitzvah. The show is going to spotlight creative writing of formerly incarcerated young writers in the LA area who've been impacted and silenced by the prison system in the United States. And each episode will feature a different influential creative performing their writing. The creatives include John Legend, Issa Rae, Yvonne Orji, Randall Park, Kiki Palmer, and so much more. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this star-studded episode of the Black Girl Nerds Podcast. Welcome to the Black Girl Nurse Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan, and we all know that power can be a dangerous thing, right? But what about what age do you learn what power really means and how it affects everybody around you? Well, the power universe, y'all, is hooking us up again. Get ready. We got another power spinoff. This is Power Book 3, Raising Canaan. And who y'all, they brought in the mama because they was like, we got to go right to the source. You don't play, you know, that 1-800-BLACK-MAMA-CLUB? It's all about that. For this power book three, like you do not play the mama's art. They know before you step in the door what the issue is and what's going on. So I cannot wait to talk to my guest today. I'm talking about Patina Miller. She plays Raquel Thomas, Kana's mama, aka Rock, when you start getting into this fandom. Uh, Patima, how you doing? Or Patina, how you doing? I am so great. I'm so happy to be here. Um, So before we get into power book three, because I'm so excited to talk to you about this. Um, I want to take it back to theater because you got this okay. cool theater background. So amazing. Okay, 2013, you get a Tony Award, leading actress in a musical for Pippin. What do you remember? And this is just still so weird to me because we know theater is kind of making this comeback now with everything that we've been going through um, th- in the world. Yep. But what do you remember? Like what still sticks in your mind about that? Of winning the Tony? Yeah, yeah, winning Shoot. your Tony, yeah. Oh my God. I remember <laughs> when they... <laughs> Still, still so surreal when you talk about it. And it's been like so many years later. I remember thinking like right before they called my name, 
because I'd already knew what it felt like not to get it because I'd been up for Tony before. But I was like, you know what? I know what it feels like to not get it. I look really good tonight. The dressing <laughs> is on point. I'm here with my fiance. It's great. Whatever happens is going to be fine. And so Jake Gyllenhaal does the thing. And there is this pause, what felt like the longest pause of life. And when I heard that, I my heart stopped. I think there's this little meme of me running up to the, uh, the podium. I was so close. <laughs> I was in a gown. I hadn't even thought about if I trip, what would happen. I literally darted to that stage so fast, so fast. And I just remember being so excited that like this dream that I'd always had came true. And I didn't know how it was going to come true, but living there at that night, being in that moment, I just, I was out of myself. I can't, it was an out-of-body experience to be honest. So that's, I remember everything from that night, but if we got a moment, it was that, holy shit, I really, um, my dream came true. Wow. Yeah. I can't even imagine. What did you learn? I'm so curious. Like, what did you learn about yourself through theater? I learned that I am more, uh, I'm stronger than I know. I've learned that I love to live in a place of, I challenge myself and it's allowed me to open myself up in a way. And so with theater, you know, there's not really, I can think about everything because it's really fast and there's an audience and it really is a dance between, you know, yourself and the audience and figuring out how that works and having a different audience every, every night. It really calls upon you to be able to do whatever work you need to do to be able to do it over and over and over again. Find the joy, find choices. You can't make it stale. So it was exciting for me to try to push myself every night to to, to do something different. Yeah, I can't even imagine. Yeah, just that live audience. Like, yeah, that's that's crazy. There's got to be a lot. Um, But I want to ask you too, though, to kind of round off the theater questions here for black women. Like I can only think of one when I when it comes to like theater, like, you know, it's not that much representation that is always shown to us about theater. And like sometimes you're watching, you know, a movie or something like that. And you notice this actress and you're like, oh, well, they're in theater Um, because Andre McDonald comes to my mind, you know, as somebody amazing. Right. But you don't always have like, I wish, I just wish I could name off like everybody, you know, like five people at least, but it doesn't yeah, always come up. It doesn't always come up. And that's the, the thing that I hope continues to shift in theater is that that same sort of visibility we talk about in TV and film and representation. I, it is continuing, it's starting to make its way into the theater world. But I will be honest with you, when you think about like stars of the theater and black women, there are some, there aren't as well known, but if you're black and you do theater, you know, all of them. Right. So like when I right, graduated right. from school, I had Billy Porter as a mentor of mine and he was the one who told me about, you know, Audrey McDonald. So I had all of my mentors kind of putting me on to the heavyweights of black Broadway because they right. do exist. They don't get to make that transition into TV and film as easily as, others might. Now, I think it is very hard sometimes for uh, stage actors to make the transition as uh, quickly and as swiftly as uh, other genres. Like you have singers who can come to Broadway. You have a lot of um, TV actors who will do a stint on Broadway. Um, But Broadway, Broadway is tough. And I got to tell you, 
I am so proud to be a part of that Black Broadway. That's what, that's what we call it. My hope is as we continue to shift and things start to, you know, people start to get opportunities, whether that is hiring Black creatives, Black directors, Black playwrights, and actually giving them the opportunity to tell their story, to create these wonderful um, stories to then put on um, Broadway, you will find so much talent because there's so much Black talent and, um, you know, just people of color, not just Black, that are waiting for their opportunity, waiting to see themselves on stage to then have that passion and that fire, you know, have something to look up to. So for me, it was Audrey McDonald, Heather Headley, uh, Adrienne Lennox, Jennifer Holliday. So there are some of them. It's just, we have to keep working. Right. And what would you, what would your number one like tip be for black women, women of color trying to get into theater? I, my black, my, my, look, my black tip. No, my tip well, Hey, is, I might, it might be a black tip. I mean, really? <laughs> black tip. Oh, now, yeah, yeah. I, I think it's surrounding yourself with other, with other actors and actresses. Not, you don't have to have that. Your whole network doesn't have to be with people of color, but you have to really continue to push and try to get into those doors, whether that is in your community, not just on Broadway, um, the, there's community theater. There is looking the, look in the paper and see if there's casting calls for different things. Um, you can, do, it's just, we have to do a lot of the work, right? Cause nobody's gonna do it for us. So we have to consciously always make the effort to, to put ourselves in the, the conversation. And we always have to work harder than anyone else, you know? Right, um, right, exactly. And black women, you know, come on. We have to work even harder. So I would say to find those, like I have Billy Porters, not everyone has access to a Billy Porter, but to find those people that you admire and reach out, ask questions, whether that is over social media or something, you know, people, actors do love when people send the messages and ask about the business. I have young performers ask me all the time to give them tips, how to get started. My whole thing is always, if you want to be in the theater, it is not a game for just kind of wanting to um, arm yourself with the craft, know what you're doing so that when you get that opportunity, you're ready. Right. Y'all listen, Bettina Miller is just telling y'all to send her a message. I mean, no aggravator, but ask her. Don't like, aggravate me, but ask me. Yeah. Use your resources. <laughs> use the resources. <laughs> Speaking of which, Absolutely. Yeah, speaking of resources and just like black women doing the thing, we got to talk about Raquel Thomas here, Power Pub yeah, 3. Are you ready to be in the grocery store getting your cereal and somebody calls you rock? Like, are you ready for that yet? Uh, um, I am. Yeah, I am. I am. She's everything. I mean, it has been a joy. It has been a joy to bring her to life. Let me tell you that. <laughs> I don't think anyone realizes what's about to happen. This, this they don't. Woman. That's what I'm telling you. That's <laughs> what I'm telling you. Are you ready to be in that grocery store? I'm telling you right now because it happens in this power world. Nobody expects it. It's just walking down the right. street and somebody's just yelling <laughs> rock. And you like, wait a minute. I'm Patina right Who's now. Like, I'm just trying to, I know. I'm trying to go down the street. <laughs> um. Yeah, sure. I'm ready for it. As long as they're not crazy, right? Like it's all right, good. Right, right, <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah, don't be crazy about it, y'all. Don't be crazy about it. But you're not I'm ready crazy. for Power Three. But don't get crazy about it. Right, right, um, right, right. <laughs> so tell me. So why did like what made you sign up? Other than she just like a badass. But like, what else was it about that you wanted to sign up to play Raquel Thomas? Well, what I loved about Raquel Thomas is she is unlike anything that you have ever um, seen. Um, in my opinion, a black woman get to portray on screen. 
Um, not only is she strong, because I think that's very easy. I think that's the one thing about Black women. Like, we all, it's easy for us to portray strong women. But what right. I also loved about Rock was that they're a very, she's multidimensional. She doesn't just play on how strong she is. She plays on all of the different things um, that she has. She's very vulnerable. Um, she's loving. She's a dreamer. Um, she's messy. You know, she gets to be all of these things that we don't really get to be and that we don't really get to see as an audience Black women be, you know? Um, I also love that she is a mama bear to her son and would, and will stop at nothing to protect him. You know, she right. also is carrying the weight of everyone else on her shoulder. She's the sole provider of her family. And for me, that is something that I can identify with, not just myself, but other Black women always having to carry the load, right? Carry people's load. But she is so passionate and she is such a go-getter. She does not have any time for bullshit. I, I can say that. I think we're, no, no, you're this, good. this yeah, is the place yeah, yeah. where I can not hold my tongue. Yeah, if um, you go watch that one, you ain't holding your tongue on that one. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> okay, hello. If she doesn't suffer for fools, uh, she's not afraid uh, to get down and dirty and do what she needs to do. Um, and she's not afraid of any dude. That's the one thing that I love about her is I love that, you know, we've seen how men handle power, but what you haven't seen in this universe is how a woman handles that power while also being the mother to a 15 year old. Yeah. Like, and what I love that, that and what that yeah. is, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I love the trailer line where she's like, I'm not getting on my knees for you or any man. I was like, all right, there you go. Y'all yeah. ain't ready for power book three. That's it. That's, <laughs> like, it. that's, that's go ahead. No, that's the theme right there. That's like, if I had one iconic line there, I think they're going to be a lot of them. Uh, that's one of my favorite is, you know, I'm not getting on my knees for you or anybody. And she right. means it. No man. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, that's a perfect line for Kanan's mom. Cause did you have to like, is it a requirement? Did you have to go back and kind of look at the, I, I, I may be the mythology in a sense of Kanan and what it represents the power. Um, I think like for me, cause I, I, I am a power fan. Um, from the very beginning, I think that you don't need, I didn't have to go back because 50s character Kanan, Kanan was such a standout character and he was iconic because he was so ruthless and he did mm -hmm. all of these things. And, right. and you really, for me, the joy is trying to figure out, like nobody starts off like that. Like he didn't start off who you, who everyone knows in the power universe him being. And I think going back into his history figuring out what are the things that made him the way that he ultimately uh, became. And we know his demise already. And so for me, it was interesting to go back in time and to see what his home life was and what, what, cause he had a great home life as you'll see in, uh, in this, uh, in the first episode, I'm not going to give any spoilers away, but he has a mom <laughs> who loves him very much. Um, he has a very tight knit family and they're all about family. And so I was interested in the dynamics of family and, and, and relationships and, and within the whole power thing of it all. So that is what I think is interesting about it. I didn't really have to go back and like really do a deep dive because this world, we're starting a world of our own. It's a prequel. You don't have to have seen um, the power series or ghost to sit back, enjoy this and start it with fresh eyes because you're starting from the very beginning. Right. And what was that like working with uh, Makai Curtis? You guys have such a cool chemistry that I can't wait for people Thank to see. Thank you. Because there's so many so moments much. where I'm like, where it's really like, you. it makes you flash back to talking to your mama and you like, okay, am I going to yeah. make it through this scene? Because she's probably going to take yeah. me out. 
but yeah. you know some of the stuff that's happening and it's just so no. real what was that like working with him well first I'll say I read this like dang I feel like my mom has been with me like I feel like Raquel is every black mama I, that's what I feel mm-hmm. yes. I feel like you've heard yeah. a lot of these you know what I mean like the way that she is with him where she, she there's this there's this balance of like being loving with him but also calling him out on his shit you know right and and that's what I love about her. And so when I first met Makai, it was for his screen test. And, you know, they were like, hey, listen, we have this guy who we're thinking of for to play this role. Because I didn't know it was for Kane and P.S. I didn't know what the project actually was until after I got it. <laughs> so uh, um, they were giving you like all kind of like weird games and stuff. And so uh, when we got it, like, you know, so this is the, the boy that we have in line to play Kanan. You're going to come out. They sent me like seven pages of sides, two really crazy, important scenes. And um, I was like, well, so do I memorize it? Am I, I've already had my test. Should I memorize it? Should I not? So I was like, you know what? I want to go in with him. I want all, both of us to be able to play off of each other and kind of get a taste of if it is him, what we'll be doing together. So I memorized it on the way there. We get there. We get in the room. Not only is the executive producer there, the writer there, uh, 50 Cent, we're waiting on 50 Cent. He comes in there. <laughs> um, we have a camera in our face. And I was like, oh, this is, oh, this is, oh, it is him. So let me, we're just going to play. We're going to play. This is the guy they want to do this. We're going to play. And so they they go to tape him. And then he's like, you're going to be on the screen too. I was like, what? Okay, well, let's go. I looked at him. I was like, here we go, honey. And we did one of, you saw the first episode. It's one of the more intense scenes. It was Mm -hmm. like right off the bat, let's jump in to that scene. And we went for it. And he just, we worked so well together. You know, we were constantly playing with one another, figuring things out. And by the end of it, I was so exhausted because we really gave ourselves to it. And I knew then and there that, okay, this is, the, this is the guy, this is the guy who's going to play my son. And we're going to do some really fantastic work together because we're both in it and we're both right. supportive of one another. And it's going to be fun. Yeah. I, I can't even, I can't imagine. I can't believe that you guys started with that scene. Like I'm not saying anything, yeah. but when you guys see this first episode, I can't believe that's the scene yeah. you started with. No wonder you guys have that chemistry going forward. Cause that's very powerful. Honey, to start with that. Didn't even know him all up in his face. Just, just <laughs> doing the most, doing the Listen. most. Talking about doing the most, but I see, I like this part about the show though. And I think it's really cool. Can you talk about the lingo here? Cause there's some times when you guys are talking where I'm like, at first I was trying to take notes. Cause I'm like, am I the only one lost? Cause I didn't understand what was happening at first. And then I was well, like, but you, you realize in this world, there's a certain way you have to talk. There, Yes. Yeah, so there was like, I think it, I'm going to mess it up. Five percenters. That, that was like the whole thing back then so rock kind of took it upon their they're obviously in this operation and so there's a lot of different lingo that they use so that people won't know what they're talking about when they talk about uh their job right and they they have a way with sort of talking about things especially they love to talk in code when they talk around Kanan as well but they don't realize that Kanan is very smart (laughs) and he is around he's been around a lot and you know He's as smart as they are. And so he's catching on to the lingo. So they adapted it. I think I'm, I think I'm saying there's a five percent of that whole thing. And like they had their own lingo and this is kind of adapted from that and they use it to do business. 
Yeah, it's it's really cool. When you guys see this, it's really because I didn't know at first. I thought it was me just tripping. I was like, "What are they talking about?" Girl, me neither. About? When I when I first got it and I saw the first, I was like, "What are we doing? What is this?" <laughs> right. Um, I was just sitting there like, "Is it just me?" And then I was like, "Oh, now I, this yeah. is really cool." Yeah. And so then when I did my um uh, my research, I was like, "Oh, okay. Yep. There we go. Very smart. <laughs> These people were very smart uh, talking in the code because you know that's how you know you're good at your thing. Whenever you could just kind of like." develop your own way of just doing the thing yeah that it, it was really dope and then like speaking to of, of Kanan being so smart he gets us from his mama because I love how she teaches him certain lessons and she uses constellations I thought that was really dope as well because you think yeah. there's a certain amount when you find out you know exactly what world you're in real which is you know probably not hard to guess because we are in power but you yep. think that an intelligence level which you shouldn't judge people on but you think that in this world and i love how she's right. just like well listen i'm gonna bring out this science because this is what i was passionate about in school yeah 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 and i love that she constantly is on a quest like what i love about raquel is that she wants so desperately for him to not do what she's doing you know right. she she continues to try to push him push him in this way push him in this other way you're my son i want this world for you. You could go to college. You can be a headhunter. What any mother would want for their child, that's what Rock wants for her child. The only Absolutely. difference is she happens to be in a business that doesn't quite <laughs> line up with, you know, but that's the whole, that's the part of her that I love is because she's constantly battling that wanting to be this CEO, this power woman doing her thing, her own business, but also wanting to show him the right way to go. Because at the end of the day, I don't think this is like, if she had, if we were in another world in a different time, Raquel wouldn't be doing what she's doing, but this is the world that we live in. It's, it, it, it's what's been presented to her. And this is how she's going to move and finesse and she's going to make her money and she's going to, to build the dream that she wants. Right. Does and that make sense? Yeah, it does. It definitely does. And listen, speaking of building a dream, y'all listen, rock, know the fashion. Let me just tell you right now, she, whatever her business is that we're not saying right now, she Baby. is looking cute doing it. Listen, we talk That's about Jamaica right. Kings, Jamaica Queens, nineteen ninety one. Talk about this fashion, right quick. Can you give us oh like a favorite God. piece? Or is that gonna give something away? Because you give us a favorite uh, piece. That's not gonna get no because you've seen the you you the the there's this one outfit. I mean, listen, obviously, once the I think people are gonna love her fashion. I tend to think that I have myself and maybe unique. Maybe they'll get me for this. Have some of the best wardrobe. Um, Rock and Unique have these very flashy power kind of um, outfits. Yeah, and uh, for me, it may be the the vintage. I'm wearing a lot of vintage, Alaya vintage Versace. Rock has great taste and she knows mm. to do what she, she does. She's got to look a certain way and it's the way that she feels good. And when she can put on a cat suit and feel good about it, you know, throw on her fur she can really like seize the day. It's as corny as it is. It's like, you know what? I'm putting on my armor and I'm ready to go to war. And I'm a little bit doing it. it. Yeah, and she got like the runway walk when she puts it on That's too. it, I, babe. I love it. I love it. Every I love cat, it. It's she's so cool. 90s catwalk. It's a 90s catwalk. Yes, it is. You know, yeah. yeah. Like it's it's cool. I can't believe I'm talking right now because you transformed so much on the screen. Y'all gotta just see this. Y'all gotta just see it because it's so cool. Um, I'm so happy you say that, honestly. Yeah, I it's really so do. Dope. I think like, it's cool. But it's, it's so dope. Yeah. Go ahead. Regina, can you still hear me? I might have cut down on you. 
give it a little bit here. It might have been a signal. Patina, let me know when you can still hear me and we'll just edit it in. see you up maybe he can't hear me let me oh it's dropped out i see her there we go patina can you hear me now i can tell you dropped out there can you hear me now oh still connecting Hello. Latina. I just texted her, but maybe I think her she's reconnecting her audio. Okay. okay. I'm here. I'm here. Just really, just when it was getting good. Yeah. No, you're I mean, good. We'll just good, edit it back in. Like, yeah, we're, yeah, 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 okay. yeah. Yeah, you're good. We just, we'll just pick up off the fashion. You Did you have anything else you wanted to add about the fashion? Oh, I was just saying the ash, it really is sort of like you're being transported back to the 90s. For me, it doesn't feel like, yeah, it is a period piece. But sometimes when you see these shows that go back in time, they look like costumes. This is so authentic to the time. Our creative team, Frank Fleming, Segay, you know, they really did, did such an amazing job with every character, giving their character specificity with, with you know, the, 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 the wardrobe and, you know, Rock's wardrobe and Unique's wardrobe. Everybody's wardrobe is so different and you really get a feel for where we are at the time. And it just feels great and super right. authentic. Yeah, yeah, I love it. I can't wait. I can't wait for them to see this 90s catwalk. It's gonna be dope. I can't I can't wait for them to see it on screen. Wait, can I just say one thing? So there's the one scene that you saw. Do you know they gave me these like I had they were thigh high boots? Oh, fresh, yeah. fresh, fresh thigh high boots. <laughs> no, Not like I worn them a little bit and oh, I had to walk gosh. outside down the hill. Yes, you did down the hill. Oh, looking man. fly and no. literally it took everything in my life I was like you know what all of my training you better pull it up what will Raquel do you know what she's who care I'm not gonna trip I'm not gonna fall this camera is on me I gotta boss this shit up it was crazy, oh my gosh, that's crazy. Walking down. I mean she's trying I to give you a catwalk for, yeah that's crazy man well now y'all really gotta we watch because that's commitment yeah that's, <laughs> y'all really gotta watch that. that's commitment <laughs> speaking yeah, of which, I'm going I for it. I'm going for it. Yeah, right. And speaking of which, stars, you guys, July 18th. I have to give you the date to go check it out and go check it out on Please stars. check it. That's it. Get the app. <laughs> yes, get the app because y'all will need it. Let me tell you because I'm already ready. I'm ready for these for these episodes to drop so I can keep the journey going. And um, look, I'm about to wrap it here because y'all know I ain't trying to get in trouble. I'm not trying to get in trouble. I ain't trying to reveal anything. So I'm just about to move on to the next topic. As yes. we wrap here, Patina, I want to ask you about your fitness and your wellness because you be getting fit. I seen it on the IG channel. On your IG channel, I'll be seeing you in there working out. So I want to know what's the cheat meal or what's the fit meal? Like what, what do you have as like your fit snack maybe on set? And then what's your cheat meal? <laughs> okay, my uh ha. she said, What is my fit meal? Well, I do yeah, what's the I'm fit meal? Babes, my fit meals are kind of ridiculous. Um, so my fit meals are oatmeal with berries in the morning a protein <laughs> i don't eat meat i don't eat meat so i do fish and veggies okay. so it's usually like a fish and a vegetable with a carb it's very clean and then my cheat is definitely pizza oh yeah yeah that's good what you got on the pizza oh see now see now you're going in okay <laughs> so what i have on my pizza mozzarella cheese although cheese doesn't like me but it's a cheat and we just we prepare we prepare for the worst there you go yeah yeah um and then i throw on a lot of arugula and, and uh tomato sauce i'm very basic 
very basic, but like, I, I love pizza. One thing about it, I'm never going to like not have that in my life. <laughs> I just work out. I just do the work I need to do so that I can't have it. Yeah, that's I always tell people that's my thing. Like, I just have to stay working out because I'm not gonna cut down on stuff I need to cut down on. It's like, this is not gonna happen. I eat too many sweets and stuff, and yeah. I'm like, I just gotta keep moving. <laughs> <laughs> that's my thing because well, I'm like, I'm not gonna look, do it. I can lie to myself, but it ain't gonna work. It's not gonna true. happen. Here's the thing the thing is, it's like I found because I've been into health and wellness for 10 years. I found when you try to cut and say absolutely not to everything, it literally is just not doable. So, what I found is if I can be really good or be as good as I can be for uh, a couple of days to a week. And then on the weekend, when I'm, I live a little bit more dangerously, as I like to say, <laughs> it's okay. Cause I know that on Monday I'm going to reset. So like every day is a, is a good day to kind of make a good choice. And if it, if you fall off, then you just pick up the next day. So there are no rules. It's just, you have to kind of like stick to it and figure out a way to kind of like do what you need to do. So for me, I got to have my treat meal in there. I work my ass off and I eat well so that I can indulge in the things I like. Yeah. See, I should have been talking to you way back when I first started. Cause I was just like, oh, you want me to cut out this donut? You want me to cut out this? Over here? I'm like, this is not going to work. I just got to find an extra You got me now. Work while I'm moving. Well, you got <laughs> me now. You know where I am now. Yeah, see, yeah, see, now I'm gonna see you message, but not aggravate you though. I'm not gonna take it overboard, you know, because you're not getting paid to be the fitness coach. You know, you can't do too much. You can't do too much. <laughs> oh, please. You could bother me. I don't care. But so, yeah. Listen, that's, that's Patina, Patina, I have loved talking to you. You are the greatest. I cannot wait for them to check this out. It's gonna be so dope. Yay, Raquel, Thomas, y'all better get ready. Thank you. Hey, don't stalk her too hard, you. but you will be up in the grocery store talking about rock, what happened on last <laughs> night's episode, what was going down yes they will probably yep <laughs> all right you guys stay safe again go check it out july 18 stars be ready everybody you know get ready to hit up those comments the water cooler talk is get ready to start <laughs> all right y'all <laughs> all right bye guys take it easy bye the black girl nerds podcast will return in just a moment now streaming only on BET Plus, the hit original series, First Wives Club. Returning for a brand new season, Hazel, Ari, and Brie are back bolder than ever. Joined by their sorority sister, Jayla, the women are bossed up and ready to take on a whole new set of challenges while trying to balance having it all. Hazel is the face of our new music label. Ari is making moves on the West Coast. Bree is going after a top hospital job, and Jayla takes a difficult client at her law firm. But will ambition come at a price for this group of friends? This season is full of laughs, love, drama, and many messy moments, picking up right where the acclaimed first season left off. From Tracy Oliver comes the second season of First Wives Club, starring Jill Scott, Michelle Buteau, Ryan Michelle Bath, and Michelle Michener, now streaming on BET+. Visit BET.plus for more. Okay, I'm Giandra from Black Girl Nerds. Thank you so much for your time. You and I have actually chatted before when you were in um, the, the the escape room, escape room. Oh yeah. Yeah, we part I participated in that junk and I like that movie too. And I that was a lot of fun. Yeah, part two is actually getting ready to come out. I hope I hope it's uh, I hope it's super successful. I hope they crush it. 
I do too. But I'm here to talk to you today about written off, which is just amazing, an amazing thing. I think of all the great writers that we've had a seat, uh, had an opportunity to enjoy from Biggie to Pac to Maria to Asada Shakur, all of these people who have that common thread that they might've spent some time in the legal system and produced some pretty epic work. So I wanted to know, uh, first of all, what was the jumping point, jumping off point for you and Walter to create this and bring this to life? Yeah, you know, I, um, I got introduced to this organization called Inside Out Writers uh about three or four years ago now in los angeles and they teach creative writing classes inside the juvenile halls and some adult facilities not only throughout la but throughout the state of california and i remember going in for the first time and my producing partner aaron bergman from our production company he actually teaches on saturdays he teaches in these classes and he begged me to go and he was like yo the kids are all gonna know you from the game on BET like they all know blue like you gotta come like they'll lose their minds so I end up going in and he used this prompt from Kendrick Lamar's damn album this song called I and mm. it was Kendrick's talking about all that there's a there's a point in the record where he talks about all the things he knows um, I know pain, I know glory, I know cops, I know death, like all these different things. And so, uh, uh, but he also talks about all the like uh, intellectual and kind of like educational things he knows as well in the song. And so Aaron used that as a prompt to get the, 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 the four, five, six guys who were in the class that day to write about the things that they know. And he used this prompt of like, you know, when people see you from the outside, they look at you as when a DA sees you or a judge sees you, like they just see you as a case number. They see you as a problem. Like they don't know all the things that you know and how smart you are and, and, and all the things in life experience you had. So I want you to write about what you to write about. And, you know, he sends them off to write the prompt. 15, 20 minutes later, each one of the kids, one by one, stands up to read their pieces and they just stand up so tall and so, like, you could literally see the pride and, like, hear it in their voices when they realized how smart they were and how all the things that they knew. And not only that, like, some of them wrote it in a rap, some of them wrote it in a haiku, some of them wrote a short story. Like, they all wrote in a different way. And it was just such a powerful powerful and like inspiring moment for me to just realize like how powerful words are and how powerful writing is and how powerful it is to like use our own voices to express ourselves and then I just you know we started thinking about like these are folks who people don't think about like they don't expect that they have talent they don't expect that they're you know great writers they don't expect that they know how to uh, uh, communicate you know and express their feelings and thoughts and their life experiences and so we were like how can we put those voices out in the world on a big platform and a big stage and that's kind of how it really all started and then from there you know i had worked with limonada i had worked with jess and stephanie over at limonada uh, media before and we talked we pitched them the podcast and then from there we brought in walter who i had met on a general meeting like months earlier and i was like oh i love this dude i'm gonna be his best friend one day he don't even know it and then we slowly started putting together a podcast 
what's fascinating about this with uh, young people who are coming into a talent, oftentimes they're afraid to share due to low self-esteem or any other issues. How, what part is that taking place and kind of uh, preparing them for the world to hear their story and just kind of aiding them with the, the self-esteem and the worthiness piece of it that they are deserving to share their gifts with a grander scale? Yeah, you know, it's interesting because so the folks that we worked with for this season, most of them have either written, we have IOW rather the organization has like the ins and the outs. So the folks who are in have a lot of them have written in uh, in classes during like some free hours that they get throughout the week. And the folks who are on the outs come on a Thursday night writing circle. And so it's it's something that like you've we've seen them do quite often and and not so much where they're like, um, you know, professional speakers or professional writers in any way. But, you know, writing a piece and then standing up and reading it and expressing themselves is something that, you know, when when folks enter that organization, obviously, to your point, like there's a lot of vulnerability and there's a lot of things that they don't want to share and they don't want to talk about. But when I think when they start to see that there's a community of folks who have gone through a lot of similar experiences and they're doing it, they start to open up and they start to feel good about it. And, you know, they're proud of their writing too, because, you know, they don't take it lightly. Like they, they, they truly enjoy it and, and take it seriously and are, um, uh, uh, you know, find inspiration in their world to write about and to talk about. So I think, you know, we, we, we get folks to that kind of, um, higher self-esteem um, spot in their lives. I think, I don't want to say quickly, but I think this process definitely helps them get there and helps them kind of express themselves in that way. I noticed in uh, the information that I had that Randall Park was going to be uh, in the premiere episode and I've enjoyed him and his comedic abilities and WandaVision and I enjoyed him on Young Rock and he has this wonderful kind of comedic timing. So what is the tenor of some of the participants in, in the in this season? Are they all, you know, comedy and tragedy are so close together. Mm-hmm. They're, you know, just a real fine line. So what is the tenor of some of the participants this season? Are I mean, they we have a re- yeah, we have a really big range. I mean, you know, as far as you know, talent and our readers go, it's Everyone from Jesse Williams, uh, John Legend, Issa Rae, Kiki Palmer, Dasha Polanco from Orange is the New Black, Julio Torres, uh, Danny Ramirez, who was just in uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, and he's in Top Gun with me. Um, you know, Karamo from Queer Eye. Like, it, it is a wide range of folks. And so, you know, one of the things that we wanted to be really specific about is like, we, if folks, we didn't want folks to feel like they had to write about trauma. We, we, we oh. all know pain stories and, you know, we know that our folks have been through some, some, some tougher times, but we didn't want them to feel like that was something that, that they had to focus on. If that's something they wanted to write about, you know, clearly we left that to them, but, you know, we, by opening that up, that gave our writers, you know, freedom to write about whatever they wanted to write about. You know, we said right from the heart, that was the loose kind of prompt that we gave them. And so um, they were kind of able to go out and some had fun and some were a little more serious and some talked about, you know, their past and what their hopes and dreams were, you know, when they're out. 
um, how they hope writing can change their lives. You know, some of them talked about what they were feeling and going through when they were in and what got them there. Um, so it really is a big range. Um, and I, all of our readers did a really amazing job of like wanting to really honor and respect and uplift the writers and, and, and their stories too, which I think was, is amazing because all of these folks are, you know, all these celebrities are like amazing creators and writers in their own right. Yes, absolutely. You spoke of how you were inspired when you heard the kind of the idea for this after reading some of the stories, how have they enriched you personally? Oh man. Um, I mean, every day I'm just like inspired. Like I feel like, you know, I've been fortunate to work on a couple of really great projects in my life, you know, Insecure being one of them, The Game, Top Gun, Mrs. America. Like I've, I've been fortunate to like have really great writing as an actor um, and be able to show up to work every day and read a script and be super proud of the words that, that I was ultimately saying and, and, and these characters that I got to kind of be a part of creating. And even still like reading a lot of the writing from our writers uh, written off, I, <laughs> I still found myself like, oh, there's still a whole nother level to writing. There's a whole nother depth to writing. There's, you know, there is no reason why any of our writers could not be the next great novelists, right, of their generation. There's no reason that you, that we can't know their names in the same way, you know, we know so many other great authors' names. Uh, and so I just, yeah, I mean, I, I just found myself mad inspired and, and really honestly just wanting to give them an opportunity to, to follow whatever their dreams are, you know, and whatever writing does for them. Like, I just want to be a part of helping them get there and, and get that. As, as they, as they further their, their abilities and pour their emotions and thoughts and things out to the paper, what is something they the writers, is there something that they want to know, something that they ask commonly, advice that they ask for often? What type of, uh, when they're asking for feedback, how is that process? Is it easy for them? Do they, what type of questions do they have? What has been your experience with them? Yeah, I mean, nobody, it's really interesting, you know, I think the biggest feedback is always how long, like, you know, how, how many words, uh, you know, what do we want the word count to be? And we really just told them to like play like within a three page range kind of just because of the, you know, podcast medium. And because we were having folks read these pieces, we wanted them to be able to, you know, uh, remember the whole piece uh, as, as we've been, as Walter then dives into the conversation with the writers. But, you know, as far as like other questions, I mean, I don't know, we, we really don't put those parameters on them. You know, I think we really give them the opportunity to like bring, to just be free and to like free write and, and, and talk about whatever they want to talk about. I think length is probably the thing that they always come back with um, or if there's a specific format, right? Like if it needs to be a short story or, uh, uh, you know, haiku or, some other type, some other uh, uh, format of poetry. Like they'll come back and ask things like that. But outside of that, like they're they're they they go do their thing, and we don't get in the way. You know, we just uh, we're there to help with whatever they need with. 
Is, are, do you guys have plans of maybe this being a pilot and going into other, other places, other states and offering other writers who are incarcerated the opportunity to participate in a project like this? Like how big do you want this to be? How do you envision it? Yeah, you know, the, the dream is that we're able to, you know, continue to work with IOW, obviously, uh, in the state of California. And if there's other organizations, like we're open to working with other organizations as well. But, you know, we've talked about season two either being out of uh, Chicago or New York. Uh, we mm -hmm. definitely want to travel around. You know, there's a lot of untapped talent and potential and voices and just like creatives and storytellers who are either currently sitting in our incarceration system or who have recently been released and you know we want to give them an opportunity to have their voices heard by the world and you know hopefully send them down a path of of a beautiful writing career if that's what they want or if not then you know, they just got this one piece out and they got something off their chest and they got to talk about whatever they wanted to talk about and the world got to hear it and, and, and they're fulfilled in that way as well. So we definitely want to make sure we travel around the country and get to talk to folks from all over the place. And, la and lastly, with all this star power that's going to be performing this for them, do they know who they are assigned to? This is one of my favorite parts of the podcast. Um, and, and I think we got a lot of reactions in the actual episodes, which is great. But like none of the writers knew that someone was going to be reading. They didn't even know someone was going to be reading their piece. They just knew they were writing a piece. They had no idea what we were doing on the other side. So I then was reaching out, texting, calling, literally all my friends, everybody who's on the podcast for the most part, and was like, yo, got this beautiful thing. I think you'd be amazing for it. It's not going to take a ton of your time, but I think when you hear it, you're going to want to do even more. And so then I sent everyone's pieces out to all of our talent, to all of our celebs. And then when we got, when Walter, our host, actually got in the room with the writers to interview them, he played the celeb reading the piece oh, and wow. all of them lost it. It's really funny. There's some people, uh, my favorite reaction still is, um, it's an episode that's come a little bit later, but it's this woman named Taylor uh, and Issa Rae read her piece. And when she heard Issa's voice, she screamed at the top of her lungs, like literally lost it. And I think that was so amazing. Jimmy Woo, uh, whose episode is out today with Randall Park reading his piece, like, he lost it. Candace, when when she heard Kiki, when Kiki's episode is also out today, Candace and Kiki's wow. episode, so she also lost it. That that is one of my favorite parts of the podcast is like hearing people's reaction to, you know, they immediately recognize these voices. I feel like I feel like uh, uh, everybody's voice is recognized, but mine. But <laughs> but I feel like literally every single person knew who it was from the minute they heard the voice. And if they couldn't quite place it, the minute the name was said, they were like, oh my God, I love her. Angelique Cabral is amazing. You know, Danny's amazing or, or Dasha or, you know, Jesse Williams, whoever it is, like they literally lost it. So that was a really fun part of this whole thing. That, that is beautiful. I probably would cry 
if someone just popped up, like Issa Rae just popped up and was like and started reading something I wrote. That is really beautiful. That yeah, is- I mean, I gotta tell you, I literally Jimmy Woo, whose episode premieres today with Randall Park reading it, literally sent a text message this morning or sent me a text message an hour. What is this? It's, uh, an hour and twelve minutes ago. And he literally said, I woke up at 5 a.m. today from anxiety and found myself in tears while listening to the podcast. I was moved to my core. Thank you so much for putting your hearts into this. It's been an internal imprint in my own heart. And like that to me is like why we do this. Like that is every ounce of like work from from my my, you know, from the Black Bar Mitzvah team, from my production team to Lemonada, who was just such an amazing partner, to Walter, our host, like. That's why we do it, uh, just for reactions like that and moments like that. So that is awesome. I am gonna go dig into these now. This Randall Parker, I love Randall Park. He's so funny, and I enjoy him very much. Thank you, Jay, for your time. Uh, I know our audience will be very interested and excited to hear about this. This is a wonderful undertaking that you've participated in, and just thank you so much for your time and talking about it. Yeah, thank you. No, I appreciate it. Thank you for uh, thank you for giving us the time. We're, we're very, very grateful. So thank you. My pleasure. Take care now. The Black Girl Nerds podcast is produced by Jamie Broadnax. The opening theme song to our show is written and performed by Samus. Various instrumentals are performed by Samus, Sky Blue, and Shubzilla. You can find various episodes of the Black Girl Nerds podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Audioboom, Google Play Music, and Spotify.